A special regular season is over. Now let the games begin. It's been a, a good year for a lot of us. Um, won a lot of games, but doesn't mean anything now. And uh, it's where the fun starts. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. From the press box uh, at Truist Park, I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano. And uh, Justin, you heard Matt Olson set the stage for what's coming up. It's been a historic year for the Braves, but it doesn't mean a hill of beans now. Nope, and that is the funky balance with this game and with this sport and with the situation the Braves are in right now, Jay. Historic regular season. You could argue that this is the best team the Braves have ever had. You could make that case. You could make the case that it's one of the best teams in Major League Baseball history. That is over regular season. And these guys did not show up in Northport in February to call it quits now and rest on their laurels from what they did in these six months. They want that trophy. They want it to end with confetti. All right, coming up, what matters from the final game and the final week of the season? More milestones, more records, and more history. Plus, how the Braves will alter their routine with the week off going into the DS and what to think about their possible opponents and some thoughts on the postseason roster. This is your first time listening to the show. We are happy to have you jump on board. We're going to have podcasts leading up to the start of the division series and then after every game and make sure that you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution presented by Kroger and we're about to get into a very busy time, an exciting time in the sports calendar. Braves playoffs are here, so is college football. We've got pro football, pro basketball is about to get wound up. So why waste your time with things that will slow you down, like getting in line for groceries, for example, when you'd rather be watching the big game. Kroger is here to help with Kroger Boost. Get free delivery on your groceries and two times the fuel points, plus you can save up to $1,000 per year. So try Boost for 30 days for free. Go to Kroger.com slash Boost. That is Kroger.com slash Boost, or click on the link in our show notes. Now, programming note before we begin. We're going to have a special live edition of our National League Division Series preview episode on the Braves Report broadcast coming up on Friday at noon. But the live part is just for our AJC subscribers. So go to live.ajc.com and click on the show notes to see. You can join the live show, join the live show on Friday. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. The last one we did was right before the trade deadline, which was fairly inactive for the Braves. But I remember we said... Does this team really need to do a lot? Like, we felt like they were in a good spot. Now we're going to be sitting here talking top seed in baseball, top seed in the NL, home field advantage throughout, best record in baseball going into October. I've only been here a couple years, but I've been thinking of the time I've been covering baseball, a baseball fan. You know, I was young in the late 90s. I can't remember a time where a team felt so inevitable. And that's not me saying the Braves will win the World Series. That's me saying they're not going to sneak up on anybody this year. They are favorites. Everybody knows what they're going to be getting in the Braves. And man, do they deserve it. When you look at the long list of records they tied and broke, achievements they accomplished, uh, and everything else. So that'll be a fun live show. We'll uh, hopefully have more information on everything. And, you know, in terms of the roster, the pitching strategy, everything like that. And the best part, Jay, perhaps, we'll know the opponent. Because the best thing about being a Braves fan right now, for everybody listening who is, you know, a Braves fan, is that you get to enjoy the next few days and your team isn't going to be going home after them. You're just waiting to see who comes up, you know, to Truist Park uh, on Saturday. Before we set the stage for the division series, let's check off a lot of pretty significant marks that we saw this week, and we'll work backwards from uh, what we saw on Sunday, and we won't mess with uh, what happened uh, on the field all that much because it didn't really matter, except it allowed Marcelo Zuna to get one more at bat, making him the third Brave with 40 homers and the fourth with 100 RBIs. People people doesn't believe like like the way that I believe in myself, and and uh, God gave me the opportunity to be in the spot where I am right now, so... Say thanks. Everyone believe. Everyone doesn't believe, and I'm here for everything. What was going through your head as you knew you hit number 40 and tied the record? I going everything because the about before I just took a walks. The game tied, tie and and then he threw me outside. I don't want to mess up my bat. I just want to get a walks and, and keep in 39.99. So and God give me another chance and. And I did it. I made it. In February, 
and of course in May, someone would have given me two to one odds to bet every dollar I had that Marcelo Zuna would not go 40, 100, I'd be broke. Yeah, you and a lot of other people. And uh, I think Matt Olson said it best where he was talking about him. And, and eventually he said, you know, hopefully those same people are eating their words a little bit now and realizing that they spoke a little too soon. This guy, how do we say it any differently than we have? He had a horrible April. You look at it, batted 085. That's not good when it starts as a zero for your batting average. He might have been the worst player in baseball. Yeah, the worst player, you know, relative to how many at-bats he received. But Brian Snicker stuck with him. The front office knew, look, who was going to take his roster spot? We discussed it ad nauseum on this podcast for months. It, It didn't, especially with the DH and with 26 now instead of 25, you almost have too many position players if your guys post, every, you know, like the Braves as regulars do. Marcelo Zuna really, really turned this around. There were encouraging signs at the end of last season, but the fact that he just, I mean, he didn't even turn it around from last season or the year before. He returned to form, like pre-pandemic Marcel Ozuna form, the guy who can hit 40 home runs. I'm not saying he's going to do that every year, but he looked very much like the guy who, you would pencil in for 30 every year. Like when he was on the Marlins, the Cardinals, like he looked like a guy who could do that if he stayed healthy. Um, it It's remarkable, especially when you consider the types of seasons that some of these guys in this lineup have had. He's right up there, and we'd be talking a heck of a lot more about him if Ronald Acuna Jr. and Matt Olson hadn't had the years that they had. This is remarkable because I remember looking up a stat that um, in April that – at the time, with guys who had had as many at-bats as he had playing every day, there were only two others who started as poorly as Marcelo Zuna did since 1995. Uh, I bet I can go look at those right now. They, it was One was Laoti Tavares uh, with Texas, I believe, a couple years ago. And the other I forget. But I guarantee you, Jay, I could look this up right now on the show. Neither of those guys would have a 40 under the home run total. And that that's what's remarkable is that this is a person I remember doing a story and talking to Kevin Seitzer back in April. Um, Marcelo Zuna, you could tell, like had kind of seemed to lose a little bit of confidence. He was sticking with himself, but it just wasn't happening. And he was hearing the booze, and he was trying too hard, and he was really almost pressing and just trying so hard and caring so much and anybody who has ever heard a baseball player talk, that is the exact opposite of what you want to do is care too much and try too hard. And then the epiphany, I mean, really, you can split it out to April because starting in May, he had a two-hit game, and then he just went crazy. 10 homers, 20 homers, 30 homers, and then 40. And the kicker to this incredible season is this. The Braves needed four home runs to break the 2019 Twins' record. They didn't get those. They got three, and all of them came from Marcelo Zuna, who was chasing 40, and by the way, had been vocal about how he really wanted 40. Yep, and, and he got it. And it really was record-a-rama this week. It's been really special to, to see that. And, um, you know, I got a really good seat to watch it, too. So it's, it's something I'll remember for the rest of my life. That's manager Brian Snicker. You got a good seat to watch all this. We'll let you lead the way here. Uh, what should, sound should we play first? Which was more impressive to you? Acuna breaking Otis Nixon's steals record, Olsen getting the RBI mark, or a Strider getting 20 wins and passing Smoltz's K record? Oh, you know what? Let's start with Matt Olsen for this point. This guy would be the MVP in 90% of seasons, but a guy named Ronald Acuna Jr. exists. Let's start with Matt Olsen's RBI record, which, by the way, Stood since 1953 when Eddie Matthews had 135. All right, Snip. Doing it here. I mean, you're talking about some big-time Hall of Fame players that played here over the years and some really, really big-time guys, you know, um, that came through here just for a couple of years at a time. And that's quite an accomplishment. I mean, you know, (laughs) about Eddie Matthews and Hank Aaron and, you know, Chipper, Andrew, Bobby. I mean, there's some heavy hitters that Gary Sheffield (laughs) put on this uniform and and played a year, you know. So I think it's just, it's phenomenal. 
54 homers, two more RBIs to get to 139. Finishes with a 283 batting average. Last Brave to lead the league in homers and RBIs in the same season was Mr. Aaron in 1957. He won the MVP. Braves won it all. Yeah, and like I said, Matt Olson really, I think, would be the MVP. I think he would have a pretty good case over Mookie Betts, too. Like I think you could make that very strong case. I think the only reason that it's Ronald versus Mookie is that you usually don't have two contenders from the same team. Usually. Yeah. Last year you did. Last year was an exception with Arenado and Goldschmidt of St. Louis. But I think Matt Olson is getting less shine somehow just because he's on the same field as Ronald Acuna Jr. It's remarkable for the reason Snit said. You have so many. This is not an organization with no history, with a you know wretched past. This is an organization that maybe after the Yankees and Red Sox and some, you know, the traditional teams like that has the most legends and like Chipper, Hank Aaron, Eddie Matthews. Yeah. Like even, even you had even Javi and Gary Sheffield, like you mentioned, Andrew. Uh, Yeah. Matt Olson's season is just incredible. And to hit those home runs, but to do it the way he did it, for example, Kyle Schwarber, I believe, ended the year batting under 200 with 47 home runs. The 47 home runs are valuable, don't get me wrong, but Matt Olson hit 283 with an OPS near, you know, 1,000 because he took the walks, because he was an all-around hitter, and by the way, had tremendous numbers, you know, with runners in scoring position. This was just a remarkable year considering that, you know, the everything he faced last year the difficulties and maybe a little bit of how this year started where he was striking out a lot you can't say enough about how he did it and playing 162 and keeping that iron man streak going the longest active you know games played streak i don't have enough to say about matt olson and i wish you could share the mvp who's next strider or Cunha? i'm gonna go with strider because this is a guy who built himself to be this strikeout pitcher But we talk about that as if he just got from point A to point B. Let's recognize everything he did in between and, you know, to lead to this record. That's great. I mean, you know, I was thinking about it, you know, all weekend. Just, you know, we had, I mean, the the amount of records, personal and team, that that we've achieved this year. Um, It's great to do that at home. You know, it would have been cool to do it anywhere, but to do it here and and have the fans to experience it um, with them is, is pretty special. Um, so, yeah, I was really grateful that, that we got to do that here. First full season in the rotation. No one struck out more in a single season now than any Brave than Spencer Strider. No, I know. And uh, I talked to John Smoltz on the phone on Friday about Spencer Strider and, <laughs> and asked him, you know, as you sit here now and he has a chance to break your record tomorrow, is it sweet? Is it bitter? Is it bittersweet? And he was like, no, it really – you could tell he had accepted it. The tone in his voice said he had accepted it in terms of, you know, he was happy for him. And he said, look, like, what's he got? Like 50 less innings than me? Like he's done it, you know, in less time. He's a strikeout pitcher. He said, this guy's going to break my record tomorrow. And he said this Friday, this guy's going to break my record tomorrow. He's going to break his record next year. He's going to break other records. I think the thing that mystifies me the most about Spencer um, is this franchise mark is ridiculously cool but consider this he comes up you know he starts out last year in the major league roster but he's in the bullpen still he strikes out you know 200 batters the fastest anybody's ever done it and then he comes back this year and strikes out 200 batters the fastest anybody's ever done it one upping himself which i'm sure has got to be the first time in history unless randy johnson did it in consecutive seasons when because he was the record holder um in a 30 130 innings and change but we say that we always hear about Spencer's transformation, how in college that when he had Tommy John surgery, he ripped everything down to the studs and said, you know what, like, what kind of pitcher do I be? I'm going to be intentional about everything. Really, ever since high school, he's been building himself into this strikeout pitcher because really he knows that's what makes guys successful in this day and age. Can you eliminate outcomes? Can you keep the ball from being put into play? That's basically what it comes down to these days. Um, And that's, really what a lot of the best pitchers do like you see the strikeouts and 
I think we need to give him credit for all that entails. You don't just put that into a machine and it pops out like a soda or something, you know? Like you don't just build yourself into that prototype. It takes work. It takes effort. Intelligence. I mean, just his mental acumen and the way he thinks about the game and every way he tries to be intentional about his mechanics, about his routine, about learning from each start. He's the complete package, man. And I talked to him uh, last night and I found this interesting. When he went home last offseason, he asked himself, you know, how can I get better? What was keeping me behind and holding me back from getting better? And he came to this conclusion. He goes, you know, I want to go deeper into games and I wasn't doing that as much as I wanted to. But he realized this. It wasn't the strikeouts that were keeping him from going deep into games. And I know it's, you know, as a baseball fan, you know, it's, yep. it's long been thought that guys who strike out a lot throw more pitches. And he said it wasn't the strikeouts. I can still get swing and miss. It was just that in the middle of all those strikeouts, I was walking guys. I was out of the zone. I was wasting pitches here and there. He figured out this year that he could be in the zone and get the swing and miss at a better rate. He had better swing and miss this year, higher whiff rate, fewer walks, but the ERA was much, you know, was worse. And so that told him like, okay, there's always going to be something that you have to go conquer. So his next challenge is this, is he said, is how can he find those areas in the strike zone that produce the lowest, lowest damage? So when he doesn't strike guys out, he gets weak contact and isn't giving up home runs or isn't giving up hard hit balls. That's going to be the next step. But this is about as good of a two-year stretch to start a career as you can imagine because in terms of strikeouts, double-digit strike games, everything – He's up there with Darvish, you Darvish, Dwight Gooden, um, and, and others. It's it's pretty insane. All right, so that leaves uh, one left, the MVP. Uh, first of all, you know, thank God for this uh, opportunity, and I would probably have to rank it either first or second, just uh, just because I think it's a record that's been standing for a long time, and it's uh, something that I was able to accomplish with the team. And I thought it was great. We pick the bag up and show I think fans had to love that and we all did I know it was really because it's a special in the moment and he might be the only human that can break his own records too that's Acuna the Braves interpreter Franco Garcia and uh, Snit on a pretty big week the uh, the 4070 and then passing Otis Nixon's uh, modern era stolen base record which I thought would be out of reach for a long time never imagined it would be a guy who hit 41 homers and hit 106 RBIs, and hit over 330. Yeah, and the, it's funny because that first quote, the one you heard from Franco you know, on, in Acuna, was Acuna on how he would rank the 73 stolen bases with everything he's done, and the second one being Snicker on 4070. Acuna said he'd rank it first or second, and I asked him if he ever thought he would steal 73 bases given that stolen bases are just rarer in today's game in this era. He said that, you know what, he never thought it was possible, but the new rule changes have helped. That's what he said. He goes, pitchers can't, you know, they're, they're able to throw over a limited amount of times. It's helped. But this is, I keep using one word, remarkable. And then I'm using historic a lot. It is. Like, these things are, there are so many of them that we're talking about right now and we'll look back on for a long time. I'm not sure it's even set in yet because we're so busy talking about it, so busy writing about it, so busy doing these interviews, doing this podcast, doing stories that it's hard to have it really, it's hard to digest it right now. But Ronald Acuna Jr. J in August created, you know, the 3060 club. And then he created the 4050 club. And then he created the 4060 club. And then he created the 4070 club. Uh, you know how many home runs, and this is nothing against Otis Nixon, you know how many home runs he had when he stole 72 bases? I I'm aware because we talked about it on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Not a single one. Zero. And uh, this is nothing against anybody. It just goes to show how good Acuna is. The guy with 70-plus stolen bases in his career with the most home runs in that same season, Ricky Henderson with 28. Acuna finished with 41 homers uh, to tie a career high. I, I don't – you know what? I think um, when I think of the great players in today's game that are of the same ilk, the five-tool players who can do it all, the combination of power and speed, I think of probably 
Fernando Tatis. I think of Julio Rodriguez. Um, I mean, heck, maybe one day Michael Harris. I mean, he's, you know, he he's had a great start to his career. But what stands out is this. I'm not sure that we've seen a player like Ronald in a long time. And I'm not sure baseball has has ever seen something the same way where the guy who is so fast is this powerful. Like, we've seen Eric Davis. We've seen Ricky Henderson. I did not. I'm too young. But baseball has seen those guys. The power-speed combo has existed. To this degree, though, Jay, like exit velocity ranking in the 99th percentile in baseball, striking out 10% less, like the strikeout rate going way down. This is... This is the whole package of a baseball player. It's like if you took Miguel Cabrera as a hitter and Albert Pujols as a hitter and pick your next power hitter and you put them with the speed of Ricky Henderson and the arm of like the great outfielders of the day. Like it, it's almost like Willie Mays, right? Like, and I, I was talking to Eddie Perez for a story I'm doing, uh, and I'll tease a little bit of this story I'm doing for our postseason preview package. Eddie, told, Eddie Perez, uh, Braves coach, told me that Bobby Cox used to say that Willie Mays was the best player he'd ever seen. Uh, and Eddie used to think, Eddie Perez used to think that Barry Bonds was the best player he'd ever seen. Barry Bonds, if you remember, was that power speed guy before, you know, at the beginning of his career. And Eddie's like, you know, at this point, like, Ronald's the best player I've ever seen. Like, he's doing it better than anybody ever, ever has. And my thought on a Friday night in DC when he created the 4060 club, which I thought it was going to end. It might end there, but I knew it wouldn't um, because he was so close to 70 steals. My thought then Jay was how long is this going to stand? Because as I was thinking about everything I just laid out here over the last couple minutes, I was, you know, I was hit with a thought like, I don't see anybody who can get to this anytime soon. Like he is, in his own class, and I think he will be. I genuinely think he will be for a long time because I don't know that a player exists right now that is going to steal 70-plus bases and hit 40-plus home runs. Like, maybe one or the other, but the 73 stolen bases, you can talk about the record, the rule changes, man. Nobody else, nobody else doing it. Nope, nope. Final, uh, final team numbers. Braves are the first team ever to have a, a team slugging percentage over 500. They have four guys over 35. That's a first. Five players with at least 95 RBIs. That ties a record. Modern era franchise records for runs, homers, RBIs, slugging, OPS, total bases, and runs per game. And ten different Braves or Braves had ten different players that had at least ten homers. That's a first. And the attendance record at Truist Park fell this year: 3.19 million people. Highest Braves attendance mark since 2000. When you win a World Series and you come back the next year and have ridiculous attendance, but then you come back the year after that and you have even better attendance, you know it's a golden era. And I think people can feel it. Uh, this is a team worth watching. Uh, and this was really this year, Jay. And it's not close as the Falcons lost hours ago uh, in London. Uh, lost is probably an understatement. Um, not strong enough of a word. This has been the best ticket in town by far recently. And it's about to get a lot louder. So coming up, we'll start digging into the Braves' postseason matchups and the postseason roster. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. What's so great about being a Kroger Boost member? Free delivery on the Kroger products you love and more rewards too, like double fuel points on everything you buy. Experience a new level of membership starting as low as $59 a year with Boost by Kroger Plus. Learn more at Kroger.com today. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, this has been such a special season. If you are a huge Braves fan, 
and if you're listening to this podcast, that means you very likely are, it's time to start grabbing those keepsakes to remember what very well be a once-in-a-generation season. So available starting today, the AJC has put together a special 16-page section called Braves 2023 a Celebration, reliving all the history we've seen this season, plus special posters of the record setters, Ronald Acuna, Spencer Strider, and Matt Olson. You can find it online at AJC.com slash Braves News. That's AJC.com slash Braves News, or in retail stores that carry the AJC. And we've got a link in the show notes as well. Now, all of those records are nice, but the most important thing that the Braves needed to accomplish this week, they did get home field advantage. It'd be great if we get past the first round. And yes, they do have to get out of the first round, and we now know who it could be, a couple of teams in the National League East. Seems like we just got done playing the Phillies, and what Miami's done has been, you know, really cool for what they've fought through. Yeah, You know, um, Skip's first year, he did a great job, man. Um, and that, that team's... They're dangerous. They're everybody. You know what? There's what? How many teams in the playoffs now? Twelve. They're all capable of winning the World Series. Every one of them. There's reasons why you get to this point in the season. So, um, you know, now's kind of like the fun starts. I know, like everybody else, will underestimate the Marlins, and I will too. But it really does seem like there is a much larger gap between those two teams in five and a half games. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I tried my best to think back to last year. And I try to stay in the moment. So this was not easy, even though I have a very good memory. But remember when we kind of penciled in the Cardinals because they were super hot? They had all the Cardinals magic with uh, you know, Yachty's last game and all that. And-, and they had the front runners for NL MVP, two of them, and Nolan Arenado and uh, Paul Goldschmidt. They had a Rookie of the Year candidate in Brendan Donovan. They had a good pitching staff. I, I mean, and the Phillies kind of came out of nowhere. They were losing game one for most of it until that ninth inning comeback. And I think that's what I'm going to use as my guidepost for this Marlins team. Like, don't sleep on them. And don't sleep on the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks, man, have a lot of young talent. They're good. I know that in 2018... The Braves, like Alex Anthopoulos and Brian Snicker, they often talk about, you know, when asked about 2018, the Braves were wide-eyed when they went into L.A. for that postseason series. They were in the postseason before they were projected to be. Uh, They were ahead of schedule uh, organizationally. That might be the case for the Diamondbacks, but it can flip the other way in that maybe they're just so naive that they don't know what they're going to face in Milwaukee and they don't know what they're going to face after that they will just pass with flying colors. So... I would watch out for the Diamondbacks. They can get hot for sure. But the Marlins, like, when you look at that Phillies-Marlins series, here's my main concern. I don't know that the Marlins score enough consistently. I don't know that they score consistently enough to keep up with the Phillies. Because to keep up with the Phillies, you can't have a four-run inning. You have to have a three-run inning and then a one-run inning. And then two innings later, a one-run inning. And then two innings later, a two-run inning. The Phillies are going to keep... They are relentless. They're going to keep adding and adding and adding and adding. You have to score. It's not about scoring as much as them to me as it it is about scoring with them. And I know that sounds weird because, of course, like, yeah, of course, you dummy. Like, you have to score as much as they do. But I don't see the Marlins as the team that's going to put up a six-run inning because they don't have that type of power. They've got to string together hits more so than teams with more power. They need to score consistently, and I don't know that they're going to do that often enough in that three-game series to advance. And by the way, Jay, for so long while we waited for the Marlins to develop a better lineup, we talked about their pitching. Sandy Alcantara is out, the reigning Cy Young. He's injured. Braxton Garrett is going to start game two. Jesus Lazardo, who has pitched well, will start game one. These just aren't the type of aces that you that that you need against that Philly team in Philly, and against Wheeler and Nola. Yeah, and and like you know what you know what the best thing about baseball is is we'll walk in here on Friday morning and we'll be dead wrong about all this, <laughs> yep. right? We'll see the fish coming through the coming through the dugout. But you're right. I think the gap in star power, Jay. Like, I'll say this. If I were a Marlins fan, I would have felt a lot better about facing the Brewers because I know the Brewers have the starting pitching. 
But sometimes, man, their lineup has those lapses where you can maybe hang with them. And, and the Marlins have been terrific in one-run games this year. That might be a key, is the Marlins have been amazing in one-run games. Or maybe it foreshadows their demise, because maybe there was some yes. luck in there. We don't... It's it's hard to parse. But, you know, as I look at it, I just don't know that they're going to score enough to hang with the Phillies in Philly. We were in that environment last year. That is... It's different. It ain't Lone Depot Park. I can tell you that. No, it's not. It it. But it, then again, what is Lone Depot Park? <laughs> right. But it... I mean, I just... The Marlins came in deserves so much credit. Skip Schumacher, new manager, deserves so much credit. They have put together a winning team when nobody thought they would. I mean, it looked like they would take a small step forward this year. They've taken a massive step forward. This is a win. If you're a Marlins fan, like even getting here and seeing your team in postseason games, that's more than you could have asked for. I, I just, I think the Phillies are just ready for the stage. Here's what I will say, though, as we wrap this topic up. Everybody's waiting on the Phillies, man. Everybody's waiting for them to. Everybody's penciling them in, and that usually in baseball, when everybody's penciling something in, that scares me a little bit. While all the chaos is happening in Philadelphia, the Braves will be here, and apparently they've made some adjustments to their routine from last season, which didn't work out so well. No, and that was. I asked Brian Snicker, like, what, how you evaluate that when you only have a year of data, quote unquote. And he was like, yeah, that now that was the issue. It was like, how did their preparation play into their NLDS performance? What correlation can you take? Who knows? And he said, you know what? He didn't use it as an excuse. He, he also, to I want to put this out there, that Snit did say like, hey, like we just didn't play well. Like that, that wasn't the reason we lost. But he said that in talking to guys um, this year, it was like, what do you want to do more? Like what would help? How prepared did you feel last year? And they wanted to play more games. So they're going to do sim games. They're opening Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday workouts, simulating games to fans. The best part, the event is free. That's actually not a bad way to spend a week because getting in this place for the, for the real games might be a bit, a bit expensive and a bit of a challenge. But that, that'll be a very unique opportunity just to get a, a first look at this team and also help them to give them some atmosphere to kind of stay loose. That's one factor. The other one is just keeping their bodies ready. Like when you see velocity... And then you just like that snap, don't see velocity for five days. And then you see it again in game one. That's a, that was cr like, that's a crazy stark difference and, and have to jump in and out of it to the point where I'm, I know I was talking to Austin Riley a couple weeks ago and he said that even he was, you know, going to think about whether it was, you know, just obviously taking more at bats during that layoff, but seeing guys in the bullpen, maybe just to watch pitching and watch velocity and just like see it out of the hand. And they're going to be playing the Stripers. Whether or not they'll mix the teams, I don't know. But they're going to be doing inter-squad scrimmages. And pretty much, you know, a lot of those players from spring training who are going to be at the Gwinnett, you know, stay-ready camp, uh, taxi squad, whatever you want to call it, alternate site, uh, as we got used to saying during COVID, the Gwinnett alternate site. Um, they're going to be over at Truist Park for a few days. Max Fried will pitch on Tuesday. Um, and, you know, we'll see how often he, how much he pitches. If he goes like a somewhat normal outing, he probably lines up for game two. If he doesn't pitch a lot, and it, it amounts to maybe a live BP or like almost a, you know, a side or something in terms of the amount of pitches, maybe he goes game one. But right now, if he does pitch a lot in that outing, it looks like he would be game two next Monday. Um, and Spencer Strider game one, because Spencer Strider lines up better for, you know, right now. Um, but it'll be Max Free Tuesday. That'll be something to watch. They gave Bryce Elder extra rest, so he did not start Sunday's series or series finale, regular season finale as well. Um, he could go in one of those games. And they're going to have pitchers, you know, rotating through. They want to get these guys at bats. They want to play as close to a real game as they can just to stay ready. I mean, they think, you know, they can be better prepared this year. That's not an indictment on anything they did last year. They just didn't know. Nobody knew. <laughs> Any update on Morton? So Charlie Morton went home for a couple days uh, because of a family emergency. Um, Brian Snicker said we wish him the best, um, of course. The update that Snick gave on him was that he's throwing the ball with uh, one finger off the ball. Um, and right now the Braves are still hopeful that he can be ready for the NLCS. Uh, he will not pitch in the NLDS, as we reported on our last show um, and other than the skepticism we brought up on our last show, just about how sprains heal, how long it might take, 
the randomness of them, there's no reason to believe that he wouldn't be ready and wouldn't still be on the Braves' timeline. All right, now everybody loves postseason roster talk, so we got a week to start tinkering in and seeing what we can find here. Last year, the Braves carried only 12 pitchers, one fewer in the NLDS. Yeah. With the rotation questions, do you think they will do the same thing or add one more arm? I, I think add one more arm. I mean, I don't know that you need it for because you only need three starters technically, but I think add one more arm. That's that's what I where I would go because they don't have like a Charlie. Last year, the main question was, okay, and, and I guess you could say that they didn't know how long Strider was going to be able to get the plane off the ground uh, whenever he started. But last season, their main decision was, do they pitch Strider or Morton in games three and four? Um, and, and this year, one extra they, off day. Yeah, and they really only have two starters. We know we're going to get uh, starts, but because of those off days and the one extra off day, those two guys, Max Fried and Spencer Strider, if healthy, um, can pitch four out of the five games in the series. So they'll only need three starters. They could do a bullpen game. I think they would carry the extra pitcher because of that. All right, so let's assume they're carrying 13 then. Three starters, that'll give them 10 possible relievers. Iggy, Jimenez, Johnson, Minner, Yates, and Hand. Those are all locks, right? So that gives you nine. You got four, you got four more pitchers left. I do Chavez. I do Smith Shaver. And I do, you know what? Maybe only 12 then, because I'm thinking about it now. And who am I missing that's on the brink? Kyle Wright. And oh, Tom and then and then Wright. And then Wright. So I think Smith Shaver, Wright, and Chavez gets you to 12. And I think that, you know what, maybe they do 12 then because I don't know how you would use that extra spot because Jackson Stevens went on the IL today. Maybe they bring in somebody like Tom, an Allen Winans. Do you leave Tonkin at home? Um, you know what, he's really struggled. Seven of his last eight. I I think you do unless you unless you – here's the thing. Unless you desperately want to carry that extra pitcher, I think – you leave him at home. I mean, if for the sake of the exercise, sure, take him because that brings 13 pitchers. But I could easily see it being the 12 best pitchers. And I just think after today, like, and I know it was, you know, a meaningless game, but Tonkin's allowed runs in seven of his last eight appearances. It really seems like maybe he ran out of gas a little bit. Um, but if you need the extra arm, then you do it. Here's the thing about that is you need a long man, you know, a long man like that in the pen to eat innings and things like that. You hopefully won't have to like eat innings in the postseason you know what i mean but maybe you take them i just mean i just think for a short series you don't need 13 but then again do you need 13 position players and and that's when you're looking at the bench right you know you're gonna have darno obviously lopez pilar and wall no surprises there and that leaves yeah. you one more spot for a guy yeah and you could either do luke williams or von grissom uh a third catcher yeah, a third catcher. I mean, may, I don't know. I guess you could do a third catcher in case of, you know, so you don't have to have any emergency options. Luke Williams is another runner, another infielder. It gives you more, you know, more. And here's the thing, too, is that in the postseason, the Manfred ball goes out the window. So extra innings could be longer, which means by virtue, you might have more pinch hit opportunities. So that could be Luke Williams. I guess it could be an extra catcher, Trump maybe. Um, but I, I mean, maybe I was thinking earlier, you know, all year Grissom for the bat, but here's the thing with that is that really doesn't give you much flexibility because you're already going to have right-handed options off the bench with a catcher, with Pilar, with, you know, um, and, and so I really don't think that that perhaps doesn't give you as much versatility as like a Luke Williams who can also run and you know play anywhere i i think luke williams maybe I, I but i the third catcher is intriguing just because you don't ever want to be in a position where you know you need an extra one what they do for last year's roster yes remember the braves actually had some extra infielders on that team ahire orlando arcia so they carried six infielders and six outfielders with robbie grossman right and guillermo heredia Making the roster, so they did. Uh, they did. They only had two catchers and Contreras and Darno. Yeah, and they had some of the similar because of what I mentioned with Strider. Some of the similar pitching concerns about length, um, because you have Strider um, when he was coming off an oblique injury, 
They had 12 pitchers on that one. I think that's probably fair for this one because, Jay, I was as we were counting those, I was trying to think of 13 pitchers you could – I mean, I guess you could have 13 – but I mean, seems bo- both seems excessive. But the extra picture seems excessive, and the extra guy on the bench is probably not going to do much either. Right, right, exactly. So I think where I would go with this is that if you are looking at that extra infielder, I would think a Luke Williams. Um, probably they only carried two catchers on last year's roster, and that was by the way when they had Darno and William Contreras. They've got two starting catchers now. I don't think they need a third one. I would go, you know, Luke Williams probably would would be my guess. You could make the argument for the extra pitcher, sure. I mean, you could for matchup reasons, for for anything. I mean, you could, yeah, I mean, I think you could do that. But I think last year is probably a good guide for this year. All right, now time for the Ask Justin segment, final one of the regular season, where we answer Braves fans' questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. All right, from at Coach Gordon B. With the off days and fresh bullpen, what type of leash do you think Snit will have for Strider, Freed, and likely Elder? Really curious about Strider because he always has that one bad in. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I think Strider and Freed get a longer leash, and the reason I say this is for this reason. Um, a lot of times with the elite pitchers in the game, you almost there's this thing in baseball where you say you got to get them early when you do because then those guys settle in. Maybe that's the case here. Like, if they give up a couple runs in the first inning, you let those guys settle in because I think they can take you there. Do, you don't have that still, unless you the, that guy just doesn't have it. Frieden Strider just don't have it on a certain day. And unless that's very, very clear, you let those guys take it a little further because you're in a worse spot if you, you know, just tax your bullpen. And those guys in your bullpen, by the way, like, they haven't done the best job preventing runs, some of those middle relief guys. And, and so I, I think they get longer leashes. But that that's a different conversation if it's 5-0 in the second inning. Yep. Next up from at Real Agon 7, should Harris bat 6th or ninth with the Braves getting so little from uh, Murphy and Travis Darno, Rosario, and RC at the plate lately? Yeah. I really like him in front of Acuna. I really like him in front of Acuna. That's probably a way to jumpstart that bottom of the lineup. I think ninth. I think you got to get him up there at six. That's more conventional. And maybe that's better because maybe you factored out and you say, hey, look, we're going to put our best six guys up there and it's a gauntlet. Try to get through it. Good luck. But the, and this isn't, you know, I'm not saying, you know, Travis Darno, Sean Murphy, they could really show up this postseason. You know, they sure did earlier in the year. Um, Arcia, same way. But I really liked the trade of the Braves' lineup where you just couldn't find any breaks. And anywhere in the lineup, any segment, you were going to have a tough time. And I think Michael Harris really does that to your bottom three in a way that it hasn't been when he's hitting sixth. Though, I guess it is more conventional. Put him up sixth. He's better than a nine hitter. So, you know, that works too. From Cousin Shade, thoughts on renegotiating Acuna's contract to get him to market value? Uh, well, the Braves would really have no incentive to do this. I mean, they, they treat their players well, but I mean, he signed the deal and I mean, you, you know, like they, you know, he knew what he was getting into. Uh, and I think, you know, eventually perhaps they could restructure to extend the deal, you know, in the future. But I mean, for right now, this is, and I hate to say it this way, this is the best bargain in baseball. And the Braves, it's not like they're laughing to the bank with that laughing at Acuna. Like, they treat their players well. It's just that, why would they do, he signed the deal. So I I guess maybe if it's an issue, they could. But I've I've never really, like, heard of that in baseball, you know, as as much of a thing, or at least in the teams I've covered. From at Scotty FSU. How do you feel about reseeding after the wildcard series or seeding by record? How are the O's being rewarded as the number one seed if they're getting the four seed Tampa Bay, who's 11 games better than the third seed Twins? Atlanta could end up with Philly while L.A. may get Arizona. One seed should have the biggest advantage, period. And I now want to send everybody the uh, Michael Scott gif of thank you. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? It almost makes too much sense. Like, I'm not the type of person who wants to. We have a lot of people in this world who complain about everything. And they just are very cynical. I am not one of them, but I do think that this is this is a system. The Braves should not be playing the Phillies in the second round if the Phillies advance. Like this is a system that really doesn't 
you want to be the two seed yes. is what you want to be. I know it didn't work out for the Braves last year, but like if I'm yeah, like the Orioles get rewarded by oh thanks here you you got to play the Rangers or the Rays instead of the Twins. I think reseeding by record is just too obvious, and I think that's a really good idea because the point of it in the end is to reward the team with the best record by it just makes too much sense it's too standard to do it by record everything else in this sport is done by record including the world series home field advantage now let's let's make it a round project and just do that by record too i'm fine with the division winner getting home field in the wild card series i'm you know i'm fine with that right um but the way this is done how often do the does the best wild card team also end up being in the same division as the top seed and therefore you'll have many years where your top two teams will never meet in the league championship series. The Yankees and the Red Sox, the Cubs and the Cardinals, the Dodgers and the Giants will never meet unless they are one of the the third place teams. They will never meet in the uh, in the league championship series. Right. Yeah. It, it makes And it's a five game series too, which I've no made my position very clear on that. You have. I just yeah, I get, go back to thinking, dude, the Rangers or the Rays and you got to play them if you're the Orioles. Yeah. Like that is that's a lot worse than the the Twins. And that's no offense to the Twins. And we'll sit here and the Twins will have just smoked the um the Blue Jays or whatever by the time we sit here next time. It'll make me eat my words. But uh, I it makes too much sense. Like you have to do it. I I'm with you. I want winning your division to mean something for this very reason that. You could argue that that's more impressive than getting hot in October and winning a World Series. Nobody would ever pick that over winning a World Series, but you could argue that it's more difficult to sustain that. You should be rewarded. You're playing those teams. You won your division. You should be rewarded. I think after that, you got to recede to, to record because it's like it doesn't make – yeah, it almost doesn't make sense that the Braves have would have a tougher draw like that than you know the, playing Milwaukee or the third wildcard card team yeah it doesn't make sense to me but whatever all right and then from uh, that miller guy question for you and jay black ribs or brisket Ooh, brisket brisket i I, I agree as well all right winners of the week my winner of the week is manager brian snicker who this year won his sixth consecutive nl east title um after as he puts it getting recycled multiple times from the minors and the majors and going back and forth finally gets his shot and he's taken full advantage of it here's the funny thing about managers though jay Snit's got such a good team that nobody considers what his role is in that, right? We always, when people vote for manager of the year, it always follows the same script. Who has the worst team that is better than we expected them to be? Right? Exactly. That's what it'll be this year, I'm I'm sure. Um, Last year it was Rob Thompson. That one was good. But do we ever consider how much Snit means to these guys in terms of his even-keeled nature? his belief in them, his love for them, them genuinely feeling that love and respect he has for his players. I think that's really just the weird irony of great managers is that when you have such a good team like he does, everybody assumes that he has no role in it. And I'm sure he would give all the credit to the players because they're the ones who put in the hard work. But the job he's doing, that's a tough job. It's a difficult job. It's long hours. It's a grind. He's on the field. He's, you know, he's dealing with, you know, the clubhouse, things like that. He's got to deal with different parts of the job, the front office, the clubhouse, the players, the staff, the support staff, the trainers, everything. I mean, he's really the one that makes that thing go. Uh, and as much as, you know, the decision makers have an impact on the roster, of course, Alex Anthopoulos has done a wonderful job with this roster. Um, Snit really, really deserves a lot of credit, man. And it's a shame because if you were to vote for manager of the year, he should have more than one. It's just that the Braves have been too good. Yep. And I think that says something about Snit. Uh, and hopefully he gets his due and his shine in all of this. I'm going with Kevin Seitzer. When you just stack up these numbers from this lineup, is a thing of beauty. I was just looking at the they have in the press box, they have the they have the lineups and the grid with everybody's stats just all right there in front of you. And it, it looks like a bingo card. You got 41, 54, 40, 37, 33, 106, 139, 100, 109, you know, batting averages over 330. What a what a beautiful lineup. What a what a beautiful job. It's um it really is a job well done. And and we hope that it's that's a very long month. 
we, we would love that because we're going to be doing Braves Report podcast once again after every playoff game. So, and we'll start with our uh, division series preview on Friday, uh, live show. Click on live.ajc.com to join us if you're a subscriber. And if you've not subscribed yet to the Atlanta Journal Constitution, just in time for this special month, we got a special deal. Six months for only 99 cents to give you unlimited digital access to everything we have to offer. We've got like 40 people that are be covering the division series. Wow. Justin will lead the way. We've got these beautiful photos in the e-paper. You can get access to all of our special uh, sections and posters and all these beautiful photos. Only way you can do that is go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast to get six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. It's here, man. It's October. Let's go. It's here. Let's do it. Um, yeah, let's hope that our show in a, a week and a half isn't our last one of the season. We I think <laughs> Don't we, start that. we stopped we stopped a lot sooner than <laughs> yes, we had hoped we or had planned last year. Um, you know what? I think I've got a good feeling about this one. I don't want to jinx this team, but I've I've my gut my gut tells me it's something good. I can't wait till Saturday. I can't wait till this weekend because it's gonna be so loud. I don't I don't know what's gonna be Sanford Stadium will probably be louder because it's twice the size, but I can feel the city's just like, you know, 2001 was kind of the lucky one. Braves fans weren't quite prepared to go all the way. They were they were hoping, and it finally happened. This team feels like, all right, this is the best team in baseball. Prove it. It's – I don't think it's particularly close. Like, you could look at – It's never maybe, stopped the Braves before in the last 30 years. I know. But. I know. But they are head and shoulders above everybody. It's – but – doesn't matter. It just matters in a five-game or a seven-game series. All right. Strap in. Load up for the ride. We appreciate all of your support throughout the regular season. We've doubled our listenership this year, so help us out. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Rate, review, follow, share, subscribe. You've got your instructions, and we'll see you on Friday on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.